Good morning, everybody. Welcome to FSU Coach Live. My name is Tim Baghurst, and this morning I'm joined from uh, England. Nathaniel Lucas, Nate Lucas is joining me. I guess it's good afternoon over there. Nate, if you wouldn't mind, just tell us a little bit about uh, who you are, your background, and, and where you are right now. Uh, thanks for having me, Tim. Yes, good afternoon over here where I'm at. I'm in London right now. Uh, my name is Nathaniel Lucas. I'm the uh, SNC coach for the Angolan men's national basketball team and uh, the former SNC coach for the London City Royals from the British Basketball League, which is the uh, professional league out here. Now, when we talk about strength and conditioning for basketball, one of the, the questions I have is, what is the difference between strength and conditioning for basketball as opposed to other sports? And I, I say this because I, I know you've probably watched The Last Dance, as have I, with, with Michael Jordan. And That's Jordan's right. performance coach was talking about this, this idea of when you switch from basketball to baseball, you have to train completely differently. And when, mm -hmm. when Jordan went from back from baseball to basketball, baseball to basketball, again, he had to train completely differently. So if you wouldn't mind, mm -hmm. just tell us a little bit about what strength and conditioning looks like for basketball. Well, um, the, the things that uh, strength conditioning share, regardless of the sport, uh, you're using pretty much the same principles when it comes to the considerations you're going to take for the athlete that you're coaching. Uh, it's just that you're applying them in completely different ways. And a lot of times you're, you're just trying to get different outcomes with each athlete that you work with. In basketball, it's, um, it's an up and down sport. You know, it's very fast. A lot of changes of direction, a lot of, um, you know, deceleration, a lot of jumping, um, very fast pace. Uh, conditioning is, um, is, is very much stop and start type of conditioning that you need. Mm -hmm. um, whereas in another sport, maybe if you compare it to a long distance runner, you know, you're looking to have, um, you know, your, your cardio is going to be a lot more steady state. It's not going to be too many peaks and too many drops in, you know, your overall effort. So it's just going to look different in terms of the expression of power that you're going to look to train, uh, the type of condition that you want to have, which energy systems you're going to be using. You know, um, it's going to look different in terms of the position that they play. You know, so if you take the example of Michael Jordan going from basketball to baseball, uh, baseball is, a, is not so much a fast-paced sport compared to basketball. You know, um, a lot of times... You know, the, the quickest you're going to run, you, you're trying to get over to one of the bases. Other than that, there's not a lot of sprinting involved. There's not a lot of change of direction involved. You know, so it's a lot more slowed down game than basketball is. It's a lot less contact as well. You know, so those are some of the differences that you'll consider when you're looking at the different sports and how to train the athlete. Yeah, different positions in basketball, I imagine you have to train differently as well. Yeah, they have mm -hmm. to have an overall base of cardiovascular fitness, right? You have to get from one side mm -hmm. of the court to the other as quickly as possible. Yet you have a point guard who's typically has a lower center of gravity, moves very quickly mm -hmm. versus a center who tends to be more stationary. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm pigeoning, pigeonholing players into these positions. <laughs> If you look at a sure. team in basketball, you're going to see very, very different uh, anthropometrics, height, mm -hmm. weight, uh, agility, all these things come into play. So how do you determine 
when you look at different players, how do you determine what training is best for each player? Is there a specific, well, centers need to work on this, uh, point guards need to work on this, forwards need to work on this, or is it a general mm-hmm. base? Everybody works on this, and then we split up and work on smaller things individually. Well, it's, it's important to keep in mind uh, the context of the game as well. You know, basketball maybe 50 years ago looks very different from how the game is played today. You know, today um, a lot of coaches, a lot of skills coaches, they'll talk about having a more global player. So back in the day, maybe you would have your six foot. So what I mean by that is um, if I could give an example, back in the day, your center was, you know, just this tree that stood in the middle of the key, just guarding the basket or, you know, something like that. But these days, you look at someone like Giannis Antetokounmpo, who who plays for the Milwaukee Bucks. He's pretty much a seven-footer, right? Mm-hmm. But he dribbles up and down the court. You know, he has the agility of, of, a, of a point guard. You know, mm-hmm. he he likes to extend his game out to the, you know, a little bit further out than the block, you know, than, you know, some of the players from, you know, a couple of years back. So you have players who are able to do a variety of things, and they're less position-based, so they're positionless players. That's what we mean by the global player. So um, you have to look at players in that same way whenever you're doing anything in the weight room with them. So mm-hmm. you do want to have uh, a solid base for everyone. You know, everyone has to have you know a good level of conditioning. Um, everyone has to have a good level of strength, a uh, good level of ability to express force at you know fast rates. But then the way I look at how to specialize for that individual player, I, I rather go off of how they play the game more than what their position actually is. If it's a player who relies a lot on, you know, being uh, fast on their feet, you know, uses their quickness to gain an advantage over their opponent, then I want to work with them on how to be more explosive, you know, how to express power, you know, under short bursts of speed or, you know, short periods of time. If it's a player who, you know, uses their body and their positioning a bit more, then maybe I have to work with them on, you know, gaining a little bit more armor. I'd rather use armor than hypertrophy because armor just, you know, it makes more sense, you know, when you're speaking to a player. Yeah, they're very, you know, basketball players are very uh, scared to put on extra weight that they don't need because they feel like, oh, it's going to make me slow. I'm not going to be able to move as fast. I'm going to be as agile. So I use armor instead, and I explain it to them as, you know, you like to bang in the post, so you want to make sure that you can cushion yourself and you can punish the guy that's guarding you. Mm-hmm. You know, so these are, you know, some of the different aspects and how I look, like to look at how to train players. Mm-hmm. Well, we're listening to Nathaniel Lucas. He's a strength and conditioning coach for basketball. If you have a question for him, just put it in your, your chat box. And, Nate, we do have a question it's from Jim Douglas, a big fan of the show. Thanks, Jim, for your questions. Basketball uses a lot of legs. How do you condition them without overtraining and leading to fatigue? Um, that's a great question. Uh, it depends uh, which part of the season that you're in. So okay. if you're in you know, the off-season, preseason, you can afford to do a lot more. Uh, you can afford to you know, directly get at the legs a lot more than you would in-season. Um, because you have, you know, no games going on or less games happening, right? Um, so you can prioritize a lot more work during that time and allow the body to adapt to it. And by the time you hit the season, you should be good. Um, 
But in season, you know, these guys are going to be practicing a whole bunch. You know, they're going to have games, you know, back-to-back weekends and situations. Um, so my whole thing is to, you know, look for other ways that I can maintain uh, conditioning, right? So if I do have to work on conditioning with someone in the weight room, something like uh, battle ropes, you know, um, I use those. It's a great conditioning tool and, you know, it hits the upper body a bit more, but it's still working on some of those same systems of energy production that I would want for basketball. So a lot of interval kind of training can be done through that without stressing the lower extremities as much. Um, and also just using using the game to condition your players as well, right? A lot of times my work can look very similar to the the head coach or the um, the basketball trainer's job when it comes to conditioning because I like to use the game as a conditioning tool as much as possible. You're going to get way more specific outcomes. You can add factors of, you know, like what something is going to look like in the game. You just have to have cooperation with the coach and, you know, sit down with them and try to uh, come up with situations and games together that can stress particular, um, you know, particular outcomes that you'd want to see and the type of conditioning that the players need to have. You're, you're talking about th- this is practice, right? And de- developing yeah. these, these yeah. activities in practice. Okay. Yeah, that, for sure. That, <laughs> how, do you, how do you get the coach to focus on, uh, you know, training during a game setting is, is a little different to getting them to do it in practice. That makes more sense. Now, mm-hmm. periodization is obviously important. And, and you just kind of touched on that in terms of making sure that what you do in off season is different to what you do in in season. Do you, do you periodize your athletes to peak at a certain point in the season or do you periodize so that they are at their best at the beginning of the season? And then you try and maintain that throughout the season. Well, it's, it's a little bit different in basketball because it's, it's not, like you're training to have your best performance at one specific event, you know, like an Olympic games or, you know, uh, some type of track meet or a powerlifting competition or something like that. I could argue the playoffs would be a a period. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, So what you want to do is make sure that, you know, during your off season and preseason, you're trying to get um, the the biggest amount of work done during that time. So you want them to come into the season, you know, with the best conditioning possible, uh, you know, as strong as possible, uh, you know, as powerful as possible. And then during the season, what you're trying to do is just maintain everything that you've worked so hard to establish during that period of time. Right. So, if anything, during during the season, I prioritize a lot more of, you know, just uh, injury prevention because my priority during the season is availability. Mm. The more times uh, the coach can have his best players available to be on the floor, then hopefully that will lead to more wins, right? So that's so that's my priority at, during the season. You're looking more at injury prevention as opposed yeah. to improvement in power, speed, and strength, for example. Yeah. You know, and yeah, and, and that will also depend on, you know, the usage of the player. So there's some players on the team, maybe they're not going to get as many minutes. So you can afford to do a bit more with them, you mm-hmm. know, and try to and prepare them and 
even make up for some of the loss of minutes mm -hmm. through, you know, an activity on the floor or in the weight room, you know, mm -hmm. but if you have like one of your higher usage guys, you know, with them, you're looking at more of a, a recovery uh, kind of aspect. Okay. So how can I help them recover uh, or her? Uh, how can I help them, you know, continue to be able to perform night in, night out? Mm -hmm. You know, so it just really depends on, you know, the situation at hand. Mm -hmm. Uh, another question coming in, and, and I should specify, we didn't really talk about your history too much other than what, what right. you've been doing, but but you you have studied and worked in the U.S. as well as England, as well as Angola. You've been around a bit, so you have an, an yeah. idea of international basketball. And um, a question coming in from Jake says, from a high, high school perspective, do you recommend a playing a travel ball, typically games in the fall to get better, or play high school football, such as practices, lifting, and games, as a way to get better. So, is this a is this a, as a basketball player? Are you are you using are you using football as a way to get better in basketball, playing a different sport, or should you be mm -hmm. really specializing in basketball? Well, that that all comes down to the age of the athlete and where they are in terms of their athletic development. If they're still in their developmental years, so, you know, maybe adolescence, um, you know, just kind of the, the mid-teens, um, I would say that, you know, there's a benefit to playing another sport, you know, because you're going to be able to, you know, widen your movement menu. You know, you're going to be able to, you know, uh, work on, yeah, just different movement patterns. Uh, and it's just a different, it's a different stimulus. It's a different uh, motivation as well. But, as soon as you start getting to the point where, you know, you're, you're now becoming a professional player, mm -hmm. um, you know, you're getting a lot older in your career now, now is the time to really start specializing because the body has, you know, done all the development it needed to do. And now is the time to really hone in on what sport it is that you, 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 you're deciding to, to take as a career. Right. Yeah, that's so a great, great answer. And, and I like this idea of a movement menu in, yeah. in we're seeing, we're seeing players in basketball do things that, that no players have ever been able to do um, athletically where, yeah. you know, we're just seeing astounding athleticism. And a lot of this comes from their abilities to do things that weren't traditional basketball, where, where you just play mm -hmm. basketball all the way through. They're, they're developing power strengths, skills, techniques in other sports as well. Mm. Uh, I, I will say this, you know, because uh, in Angola, uh, right now, something that we need to get better at is um, just allowing for more opportunities to play different sports, right? I think it's very it's very easy to see why people would think that, okay, the younger you start playing and just focusing on this sport, the better you're going to be at age X, right? Mm -hmm. But we know from, from a developmental standpoint, from a pedagogy standpoint, you know, you want to expose yourself to as much movement and as much sport as possible, you know, because you want to avoid things like overuse injuries, you know, mentally you want to avoid uh, just uh, like burnout from just continuously playing this one sport, you know, so you want to give yourself, you know, just different stimuli, you know, you want to give yourself different uh, experiences and different patterns to work on. And then once the body has developed, like I said, that movement menu, then you just pick whichever, you're more keen to follow or whichever uh, sport your body kind of 
has more of a tendency to be successful at, you know? So mm-hmm. if you just see that, Oh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty strong, pretty quick. You know, I like to, to be a bit more physical, eh, maybe football's for you. Right. And if not, then, you know, you have a whole other plethora of sports that you've already tried out and you just take your pick. Mm-hmm. Plethora. That's a great word. I love it. Now, yeah. uh, <laughs> moving into great question. Uh, what you do, you, you've worked with a professional basketball team. You worked with an international team. How does your, how does what you do, your roles and responsibilities differ when you work with an international team who you don't see day in, day out, you know, month after month, instead it's mm-hmm. kind of Nathaniel goes out to the world championships and you're with the team for mm-hmm. one month. How does your training or your plan differ when you're working with athletes who you don't know maybe as well? And you don't work with on a day to day basis. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, thankfully, you know, a lot of the guys on the national team, I have had the opportunity to work with before on, you know, the, just the professional level. So that helps. But in a situation where it's a brand new player you've never seen before, uh, you know, before we get to the testing, before we get to, you know, assessing and all of that stuff. You know, or maybe not before, but it's very important that you start to develop relationships mm. as soon as you get in, okay? because you know you're just you're just a stranger to this person, right? And you shouldn't expect for them to just completely trust you now. Right. Oh yeah, sure. Just because you know you were selected to come and train me, now I'm just going to listen to everything you say. You know, maybe in their career they've seen ten or fifteen of me. You know, I'm, I'm just another guy and they've already made up their mind as to what's good for their body and how they like to train. And now here I am coming with all these different things that they've never heard before. And so establish a relationship, you know, just try to spend time with a guy or, or with a girl and, and just kind of see how they tick and, you know, like talk to them about their career and like, well, wh- where were you playing? Like, where did you come from? How did your season go? You know, any injuries? You know, there's so much that you can pick up just from having just a regular conversation. You know, and it's a little bit more uh, relaxed as well. So they're, they'll open up to you a bit more. If it's like a screen, they they will feel like, okay, I have to pass the screen. So let me just hide any injuries that I have mm-hmm. or anything that might get me cut. So this guy can just give me the go ahead and I can just go and train. All right. So spend time getting to know the guys. And then um, it's very much, uh, you know, you just have this focus. Right. By the time you get to an international competition, all of the guys that are there are the best athletes that that country has produced. So in terms of their abilities, they're already at a very high level. So there's not a lot that little old me, Nate Lucas, is going to do to improve them that much more. So my focus is going to be on making sure that they get to the competition date healthy as possible, ready as possible. You know, so um, strong emphasis on recovery, you know, because maybe you have two months to prepare. You know, if it were up to me, if we're talking about extremes, if someone told me, Nate, you have a month to prepare this team uh, to for this competition, what are you going to choose to do? I would say, oh, let's, let's just play basketball, guys. That's the most important thing. Like, you have to know your plays. You have to know uh, what your role is on the team more than a squat I have to teach you down in the gym on the waiver, mm-hmm. right? That's in an extreme circumstance. So I don't want to rob too much time. You know, I'm going to do, you know, just uh, the most essential things that I need to do with a guy. So if for him, 
he's pretty tight in his lower body, you know, making sure that we do a lot of mobility work, uh, foam rolling before he goes in and out um, of the court, uh, making sure we have a routine ready for him. If another guy is just his upper body strength, just making sure like that's the one thing. If we don't do anything else, I'm just making sure that I do this with him either daily or three times a week or whatever. It's just all about the essentials at that point because you have such a short you know, window of time. And the most important thing is a sport. Okay. Two, two questions I have from, from what you said. And the first one is you talked about, you know, having a screen between you and the player where you have to break down that's the, the, the screen of, you know, who they are and can they trust you? Right. Mm -hmm. And the second one was kind of a screen of history of injuries and, and all these things. So my question is, is twofold. One, how do you get the, what strategies do you have to get the player to actually trust you and, and kind of have that relationship with you where they can say, Hey, you know what? I'm, I've got this problem. I've got this soreness. I've got this injury. And two, how do you draw the line between what you, what you know and what you tell the coach knowing that it might impact whether they play or not? Oh, <laughs> Oh, that's tough. That second one's tough. Well, okay. Um, so the first one, uh, you know, the, the the hard thing about this is that it's not an exact science in it's very hard to measure. Okay, it's very hard to to give you like uh like something concrete that's gonna work every time. You know, you have to just spend time trying to develop a relationship. But the biggest thing is just be yourself. Okay, guys and girls, they they figure out very quickly if you're being authentic or not, right? So, you know, just approaching them in an authentic way. If you're kind of like a hard line kind of coach, okay, fine, be, be a hard line kind of coach. Me, I'm more laid back. You know, I like to chill. You know, I, I don't use long terminology because a lot of times I just forget the terminology myself. <laughs> so a lot of times you'll catch me just sitting at the player's table. So, hey, what are you guys doing? Oh, I'll go up to their room and say, oh, dude, we were supposed to stretch like 10 minutes ago. Where were you? doesn't matter. Anyway, like, what's going on? Like, you know, just things like that. Um, and then it's just uh, kind of pulling them to the side and, you know, just showing them that you're there for them. Mm -hmm. Like, I want my athletes to know every single time that my job is to be there for them. I'm providing them with a service. They're not doing anything for me, right? And if you can transmit that every time, you know, then, you know, they'll trust you, you know, over time. It's not going to happen instantly with every single guy. Uh, there's in my career, there's been guys that I've been able to break barriers with and other guys that, you know, kind of side eye me. And that's fine. You know, you just have to, you know, respect every guy and not try to force anything. You know, this, this that's the best answer that I can give you, unfortunately. Right? Um, and in terms of the second question, that's really tough as well, you know, because the coach is obviously, you know, he's selected you because he trusts in your ability to, to do your job. Mm -hmm. And he also trusts that, you know, if anything is to happen, you're always going to keep him up to, up to speed with everything that's going on. A lot of times, you know, coaches will speak to me and ask me about the morale of the team, you know, because I, I can feel that. I have to feel that you know, because – I'm essentially making them do extra things that they don't like to do a lot of the times. 
Mm-hmm. No, everyone wants to play basketball. Not everyone wants to be in the weight room with me. So I have to be able to know, like, okay, can I push this guy today? Or do I have to t- kind of take it a little bit more easy? Right. Um, and at the same time, I have to tiptoe the line of, you know, keeping, you know, a sort of confidentiality between myself and the player. You know, a lot of times they'll come to me and they'll tell me about things that they're struggling with. They'll tell me about, you know, family issues that are going on. You know, um, <laughs> I'm not going to I'm not going to share that one. But, <laughs> you know, you just have to. I guess the line is if it's something that's going to impact the rest of the team, you know, if it's not mentioned, you know, then I just communicate that with the players. I look what you've told me, you know, I I, I thank you for coming to me and I thank you for sharing that with me. But this is something that could be very impactful for the rest of the team and, you know, the, the overall vision that we have. So, you know, just understand that I may have to share this with coach, you know, would you just have, them, sorry to interrupt. Would you encourage them yeah. to make share it with the coach? Rather yeah. Than you? Yeah, for sure. If, you know, I'll, a lot of times like before they even finish, I'm like, Hey dude, you know what? Like this sounds like a conversation that would be better had with you and the coach. Mm-hmm. So maybe, it would be better if you discuss that with them because there's nothing I can do about that. Okay. So yeah, as much as possible, encourage that. But if they're a bit apprehensive and I just say, dude, come on, like this is, you know, we can't just skip over this, you know, but it hasn't been too many times that that's happened. Very thankful for that. Now, one of the the things that I've, I found interesting following your career and, and some of the, the social media and, and, and discussions that you've had on social media uh, one of them is about religion, and uh, you mm-hmm. and I, you and I are both religious, and and you've worked with players who are religious, and particularly I'm referencing Muslims who mm-hmm. go through dietary restrictions during mm-hmm. during the year, and and I'm curious mm-hmm. how you how you tailor your training to to kind of cater for those those situations where you know they're unable to get the nutrition during the day that they need to have a hundred percent practice. And it's not a, just a, a one-off day. We're talking a series of a, a long period of time. Therefore, mm-hmm. how do you, how do you, how do you cater and adapt to that? All right. Uh, so just so everyone's uh, clear, uh, coach is asking okay. about, you know, how to train athletes during Ramadan, right? Which is, uh, a period of 29 to 30 days in the Muslim calendar where you fast so you don't have any water or, or any fluid or any food during daylight hours, right? Um, so it, it from from the outside looking in, it can seem very daunting and very tough, right? Um, and it, it can be, it just depends on the person's experience, how long they've been doing that for, um, and, you know, if they've ever... Uh, if they've ever practiced or played during that um, period of time. But the things that I try to do is, you know, first try to get all the coaches to understand what that athlete is going to be going through, mm-hmm. you know, because it's very much a, it's it's more of a mental thing than it is physical because your, your body can actually, it can sustain itself. At first, the first couple of days, your body's in a state of shock because all of a sudden, everything's changed. You know, you're not eating like you regularly do. You're not drinking like you regularly do, but you're still maintaining a certain level of activity, right? Uh, But your body is so great. It it makes the adjustments as the period of time goes by. 
So you start feeling a little less hungry, you start feeling a little less thirsty because um, naturally your body's starting to um, either hold on to a little bit more of the reserve or, you know, just uh, provide for you in different ways. Um, but what I try to do is just create um, an environment where they're going to be taken care of. So sitting with a coach and suggesting either uh, training later in the day, closer to the time where they're going to be breaking fast, or, you know, earlier in the day, if possible, um, closer to the time where they just had their last meal. So they still kind of have an energy reserve, you know, from the meal that they ate. Um, just making sure that, uh, for example, the Royals last year during the playoffs uh, had three athletes who were fasting uh, Ramadan. And some of our recovery, uh, some of our recovery work was pool work. So after he was getting in the pool and we just do like stretches and movements in there, just kind of, you know, flush things out and so forth. And every time you get in the pool, there's like a thermic reaction that happens in the body where your body's trying to maintain um, its temperature. So it's going to be burning a lot more calories in order to do that. So knowing that, I know that every time you get in the pool, you get out, you're going to be very, very hungry. Right. So my guys that were fasting, they didn't get in the pool. So just making modifications to certain things, you know, to make it an easier time for them as much as possible. You know, so just taking considerations like that, you know, that's the way to go about it. And just speaking to them, seeing how they're getting on. Yeah, it's, it's a great answer. Now, one of the other questions I had was, was in terms of, of modeling as, as a basketball uh, professional. And what I mean by modeling is, you know, your, your reputation comes with your experience and your knowledge mm -hmm. and training, but, but at the same time, you can also be judged by athletes on the way that you look, whether you can do mm -hmm. it yourself and so on. Mm -hmm. And when we're trying to, to develop that, that kind of rapport with the athlete where they respect you and they trust you and they believe that you know what you're talking about, Wearing the jersey mm -hmm. and having the logo is a good start, right? You're hired to do it. Yeah. You get a, a salary to do it. But at the same time, there's that, well, does he play basketball? Did he play basketball? D can mm -hmm. he live this? Those are, are some of the questions that might exist. And so I'm curious yeah. how, how you try to model to your athletes that, that this is important to you and that you're trying to to show them the, the right way to do things. Right. Uh, that's that's an interesting question. That's a really good question because it's not just it's not always just the athletes that you're trying to model to. Okay. You also have to model to the coaches sometimes, especially if they don't know you. Mm. You just show up and the head coach is looking at you like, you, you sure you're a strength coach? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's uh, so it's, it's the coaches as well. Uh, and a lot of times, because you are an SNC coach, everyone is looking at you to be the example when everyone's in the cafeteria. You know, everyone's looking at your place. Like, what are right. you eating? Huh? <laughs> like, right. What are you drinking? Um, so, yeah, what, what I try and do is, um, you know, I, I pride myself in being able to be on the floor with my guys. You know, so being able to, to do some of the drills, you know, being able to actually come onto the floor if like for example our head coach needs me to you know help with a drill you know then I want to be able to do that you know so mm -hmm. running around crazy grabbing rebounds like just pumping guys with energy you know 
that's important to me. And that's how I kind of build my rapport with guys. So just making sure I'm fit enough to do that. Um, I like to keep myself healthy anyway. So just having my own passion sometimes. I remember having a conversation with one of my guys from from this past season. And, uh, you know, he's like an Olympian and, um, you know, international guard and all that. And we were just talking about, you know, mental preparation for sports. And he was talking about team sports. I was like, yeah, it's great. You know, like you have to have camaraderie and all this. You know, but for me, I like uh, Olympic weightlifting. You know, it's very much an individual sport. It's just you and the bar, right? And I was just talking to him about I just love it because, you know, if, if something bad happens, you have to get yourself out of the hole. You can't rely on anyone else. There's no team. It's just you. And he was looking at me. He's like, you know what? I respect that, Nate. So just being involved in sports and physical activity, you know, you get to build a bond with these guys because they, they understand that language. They understand effort. They understand um, commitment and all of these things. So if you can share that with them, great. But most important, you just have to know what you're doing. You know, because at the end of the day, you could be a nice guy. But, you know, if, if, if you can't prove to them that you know what you're talking about, you can um, help them get better at something that they want to get better at. You know, then, you know, you're just there for conversation. You know, so that's the most important thing. Just be good at what you're doing and then, you know, work on the rest, communication and all that stuff. Uh, well, my last question, unless anybody has any questions they want to ask uh, Nathaniel Lucas, and, and it's, it's looking at, at motivation. And you, you touched mm-hmm. on this very briefly where you said that some people, some of your athletes just don't want to be in the gym. They, they don't want to do what you're asking them to do. They're, they're not particularly motivated. They're not the self-driven, I'm going to be better every day attitude. It's what has Nate got for me today that I have to endure? And <laughs> because he's making me, right? And then how can I get away with as little as possible? And maybe I'll count those eight reps when I'm supposed to do 12 because he's not looking. <laughs> and yeah, coach, I did them. Yeah. So I'm curious, what ways do you motivate athletes in there to, to ensure that they do get the work done, even when they don't want to? And, and is, it, is it just, I'm going to watch you do those 12 because I know you like to cut corners? Or, or mm-hmm. is it something else? Uh, I try to just, you know, I try to base everything I do off of trust. Right? So as much as possible, I want to I give trust and if I have to, I'll take it away. But I, I don't want I don't want to go in there like you have to earn my trust. You know, like we don't know each other. So I'm going to trust you un, un, until you show me otherwise. All right. Um, for me, it. I'm sorry already for anyone who's watching. I, I use the term it depends a lot because it's the truth. OK, it doesn't matter what a textbook tells you when you're on the field, you're going to face so many circumstances quite similar but very different every time you know so it always depends on you know that particular circumstance but the type of athlete that you have will determine how you go about motivating them you know so if they're let's just say an athlete who's very headstrong you know they unbelievably um just unbelievably uh what's the word for it they they have a crazy belief in themselves, you know, Kanye West level belief in themselves, right? Um, then the way I want to motivate them is like, hey man, look, 
like if we do this you're gonna be so much better right you know all this stuff that you can do already is great no but you do this it's gonna get you even higher than you are right now so almost in a way you're like stroking their ego you know it's it sounds manipulative but it's like no dude you're just playing the game okay you, you're doing whatever you can to benefit that athlete not to harm them right so some guys you got to stroke their egos a little bit but other guys you know they want you to be a bit more militant so you show up like look you're doing xyz okay got it coach okay so that's how you act with them but another guy i i, I reference this story a lot but um you know, one, one of my guys, like, he, he doesn't like to do anything extra. And the thing I had with him was foam rolling, at least, before practice. So he gets in. All he wants to do is shoot. So I just play games with him. It's like, okay, dude, tell you what. If you make those five shots in a row, I'll give you an extra five shots to take. But if you miss, you have to start foam rolling right now. So now it's like, okay, I can get with that. So it's a challenge for him. But he knows if he loses, now he has to do what I want him to do. You know, so it's it's just kind of um, figuring out a guy and what makes him tick and and what buttons you can you can push. You know, that's 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 what it is for me. Mm. And just making sure, sorry, that um, what you're doing is in line with what they're trying to achieve. It's not it's not your plan. It's not your um, goals or anything like that. It's all about them being better. You know, if they see that and every time you're always coming with that, then, you know, they'll, they'll trust you. Looking at, at your career so far and uh, it's still growing, you've got a lot of different experiences in basketball. And when, when I look at somebody like yourself, I see strength and conditioning coach, professional basketball, international basketball. And, and I think sometimes those who are looking to get into the profession uh, may see this as some kind of glamour job where, mm -hmm. you know, you're, you're, you know, people, people, owners are writing fat checks for your salary. Uh, you're traveling the world. You're, you're, you know, working part time, et cetera, et cetera. And, and so I thought it might be useful maybe if just kind of concluding this, if you kind of explained a little bit about the realities of, of what it's like to be a strength and conditioning coach, not in an NBA team, but for, mm -hmm. uh, you know, a, a smaller professional team and an even international team. It's not quite like I was suggesting. Yeah. Um, it's definitely not for the faint of heart. You know, you, you have to be highly motivated. Um, you're going to go through a lot of ups and downs. Uh, you're not going to be swimming in money. Okay, you know, that's just uh, the reality of it, you know, but it's it's a highly rewarding job, you know, because you're helping people. If if your thing is helping people, then coaching should fit right in. Right. And that's what I, I like to do. You know, I like to be there for my athletes, um, you know, whatever it is that they need, you know, whether it's a conversation or, you know, getting a lift in or, you know, a recovery session. You know, I just try to you know, just extend myself for them, right? Um, but sometimes the environments that you're going to be in, conditions that you're going to be in, you know, they're not always going to be ideal. You know, sometimes you're going to be in a situation where, you know, you're going to be somewhere in Asia, you know, and the weight room is just not adequate. It's like a hotel weight room, you know, like, mm -hmm. like 
I don't know, some rinky dink, uh, <laughs> like, like play set for weights, you know, what are you going to do? How are you going to get you guys stronger, you know, doing that? You no, know, you have to figure that out. You have to be a problem solver. Right. So don't expect to always come in and, oh, you're at this, you know, world-class facility. You know, a lot of times that's not going to be it. A lot of times you're going to be butting heads with guys, you know, because you feel like something is important and, you know, they just don't want to hear it that day. All right. Um, a lot of times, you know, you're counseling guys, you know, I've been in situations where, you know, I've been in a room with an athlete who, you know, if, you know, not to be dark, but, you know, has suicidal thoughts. And I had to talk to him, you know, and just see what's going on with him. You know, so a lot of times, you know, you're going to be taking some things home with you. It's like, man, like, I can't believe that happened, you know. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if if you want to get into coaching, you know, make sure that, you know, you're you're into helping people. You know, it's not it's not for the fame. It's not for the glory, because a lot of times your name's not going to come up. I've been to a lot of FIBA events. You know, my name doesn't come up with my picture, you know, in the roster. You know, I'm just that guy in the background, but that's fine because I'm just there to make sure that these are the guys that shine. You know, if if that's okay with you, then yeah, do the coaching, you know, and just make sure that, you know, you take care of, you know, all the loose ends, you know, so making sure that, you know, you make it ends meet by, you know, doing uh, extra work if you can, you know, just extending your services, you know, to maybe an online platform, you know, whenever you have the time, you can make extra money doing those things. Um, getting good at business as well, you know, understanding business. This is something that a lot of times uh, it's not taught in schools. You know, I definitely had to learn on the fly. You know, we didn't have um, classes on, okay, how do you negotiate a contract? Mm -hmm. We've never had that type of class. You know, how how to read a contract, clauses, you know, um, making sure that, you know, everything is right, you know, making sure that it abides by, you know, the rules of whatever organization that, you know, you're playing under, you know, all of these things are very important as well. Well, I, I appreciate your honesty and, and just being willing to, to open up and share a, a little bit about, about what that's like. If somebody does want to get in touch with you, maybe has a question or, or wants to follow you on, on social media, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, you can follow me on my Instagram or Twitter at coach David Lucas. Uh, it's just the same uh, on both. And you can also add me on LinkedIn, Nathaniel Lucas. Well, Nathaniel, thank you so much for, for joining me today. I really appreciate your perspectives and input on your role in basketball. Well, thank you very much, Tim. Glad to be here. Well, just a reminder, if, if you join us on Thursday, we have a, excuse me, Tuesday. I forget what day it is. Oh, dear. It's one of those <laughs> weeks. But Christine Bolger is joining us next week on Tuesday, June 16th at 11 a.m. Eastern. She's the Associate Director of Coaching Education for the, the USOPC, United States Paralympic Committee. So I'm going to be very interested to learn about the, the coaching education that, that they provide to uh, Olympic coaches and, and national team sports and so on. So I hope you join me for that. That's next Tuesday at June on June 16th at 11 a.m. But on behalf of myself, uh, Tim Baggerst and Nate Lucas, thank you so much for watching.